All right, quick announcement before we get to the podcast, but we're giving away a really sweet rifle setup. Right now through the end of October, if you go over to the Elk Hunt course and you sign up, you're going to be automatically entered to win a Weatherby Backcountry 2.0 in the 338 RPM. And not only the rifle, we're going to top that rifle with a Maven Optics RS1 rifle scope and Weatherby's going to hook you up with some ammo. This is a sweet Backcountry Elk rifle and the total package is over $4,000. So be sure to get your name in the October sweepstakes. And, you know, if you want to be a better elk hunter, this course is going to give you a few frameworks that I've learned over the years, and it's packed with some really, really great information. Go check out all the testimonials that people have taken it. They love it. And now's a great time to take the course because all of the mistakes that we made from this past season are fresh in our mind and we can say, oh, that's what I did wrong. So go check it out. It's the Elk Hunt uh, 201 course. Uh, it's, it links in the show notes. You can go to the Rich Outdoors page and go straight to there. But get your name in now to get entered into this $4,000 Weatherby Maven Optics package. This is a sweet gun. Go get signed up. Hi, uh, Mr. Bohe. Welcome, uh, welcome to the podcast. How are we doing, man? No oh, good. How you doing? Not bad. Your uh, your daughter killed a good bull. Uh, so you're on the board already. I mean, you yep, killed bulls. Yep. I mean, you, everyone's on the board. Like you got some. You got the freezers full now, right? <laughs> oh, they're full. They're too full. I got, I'm filling dad and, and the in laws freezers now. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I got a feeling that's coming. I I told my in laws to buy a new freezer because that was like that. It's already mine stacked. So like it's got to go yeah. somewhere now. Uh, yeah, especially when it's me and the kids, you know, when it was just me, it was fine. But now we got yeah. a bunch of us hunting. It's changing. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So this episode, I want to do some, we, we were joking about before the podcast about late season versus just rifle hunting. And, you know, I think some people call it late season. Some people just call, I think of late season as like November, December. Right. Uh, yeah. But I think a lot of people do think of late season as, you know, I mean, it can mean anything late, late season for archery is like October. Uh, so what I want to talk about today is just kind of rifle hunting in general. And I want to start out with this, this kind of concept or thought I had uh, the other day. And a lot of it, was, I was talking to someone about uh, my elk hunting course, and we were talking about uh, basically just trying to find the herd, like stop just kind of hunting everywhere and just looking for any elk. And during archery, you should be finding the herd. And it got me thinking of like, man, during rifle, it's kind of the opposite. It's like, I go away from the herds. Not that like the herds are a bad thing or anything. It just seems like, man, those areas tend to be like the opposite of what I'm looking for when I think about late season. Now, a lot of this is like, okay, are we talking mid-October? Are we talking mid-November? But in general, man, like the first principle I think of is like in September, I'm just looking for the most, like the herd, right? The elk. And when we think about like, let's just say anywhere after from now on, like late October into November, I'm like looking for the opposite. If I, I'm, I'm kind of finding the nooks and crannies where there's like individual elk uh, versus trying to find like this can, you know, a huge group of elk. Uh, but that can depend on like what you're looking for. Is that, I mean, like what, what you think, what's your thought on that concept of like September? I agree. Throughout? Like, it's just like this bull we killed Friday. Um, he was, I mean, not a monster, but a really, I mean, a really nice mature bull. And, uh, you know, there was herds of elk we were seeing, but he was just like bedded up in this burn by himself. And so I'm the same as you, like a lot of times I feel like they're close to the herds, like, because, you know, by, you know, by the middle of October, like there's still some bugling going on. And I think they kind of stay in the vicinity of the herds just in case like a couple of cows really come to estrus, those bigger bulls will jump back in. But like, 
I'm the same as you. Like they kind of pull off in these little nooks and crannies, little side canyons, you know, where they're close enough that if the action really heats up, they could go back. But like they're kind of just like getting away, away from. I think I think it's away from the people. I think it's away from the commotion. I think they're just tired from the. You know, they've been chasing for a month and a half, and I think they're just kind of pulling off. I'm the same as you. Like it's easy as a rifle hunter to get you know elk are visible like oh there's a herd i want to watch them well that doesn't do a lot of good if you're looking for a big bull because a lot of times this time of year it's just going to be smaller bulls and the bigger herd bulls are going to pull off by themselves and they're probably going to be not far but they're probably not going to be with the herds more than likely i mean i think that's what kind of what you're getting to so and i remember uh, a couple years ago i was with the bearded butcher guys and they came out and we were hunting this area and gosh there was elk everywhere it was just thick with elk (laughs) but like we couldn't turn up a bull like i don't know i don't even say like a good bull like we we struggled to turn up raghorns and i mean we were seeing probably close to 100 to 200 elk and it was just like nothing but cows and and maybe you'd see a raghorn here and there but it was like man this is definitely not the spot but like it it tends to suck you in because you know you're seeing so many elk like, there's got to be a bull in here and yep. much like the fallacy of like, you know, in September, you know, people were just like, well, I just want to kill any elk. I'll just go, you know, I'll go out in elky areas and I'll just try to call whatever. I'm not looking for a big bull. So I'm not trying to look for a herd bull. I think in the same way, people uh, do the same thing. Like if they're looking for any elk, you know, they're just like, oh man, there's, uh, there's a bunch of elk here. There's gotta be a bull. There's gotta be a bull. But man, I've really found that it's, it's very difficult to turn up you know, a decent bull in a lot of those areas was just like stacked with cows and just elk everywhere. Uh, but there's, you know, rarely speaking, like you said, though, you're kind you're close. Like, that's the thing is I was like, man, okay, I'm close. I'm like a couple drainages off or something like that. Right. So it does tell me a lot. And I don't want to just be like, oh, I see a bunch of elk. I turn the other way. No, no, no. Like for sure. It's like, that's close, but like, let's look in, you know, some of these nooks and crannies, some of these small spots where these elk can just like peel off. And I think that yeah, and gets, then you'll just spot like you'll spot like this little group of bulls, and it's like it's almost like when you see them, you're like, oh, there they are, you know. Yeah. It's like you'll be glassing like, and you're you all these big herds, and all of a sudden you just like see two or three or one by itself, and it's like, yep, there they are, yeah. they ain't far, but there they are. So, dude, I love this time of year because it's like you just see that white canvas tent, <laughs> like it just looks like a wall tent on the side of the yep. like that's a bull. Like this yeah. time of year, they just get so much wider than the callus. And it's yeah, like, it's oh, crazy. that's a bull for sure. There he is. <laughs> and it's funny that I've noticed, I do a lot of, you know, I, I archery hunt elk a lot. Um, and anymore, I rifle hunt a lot. I mean, not as much actually with tags in my pocket, but like kids and friends and stuff. And uh, I mean, I've, I've killed a few, but I'm more than anything, I'm with other people. But um, I've noticed that like, in October, I've always been a pretty serious mule deer hunter and our Idaho season, you know, unlike Montana, our Idaho season is in a terrible time. You know, it's in the middle of October, like the worst time to hunt mule deer period. Um, and so those mule deer, I'll get shot out of them high basins. I like, I love hunting high country mule deer. So once they're shot out of those high basins or the bulls start flying, those deer go to transition areas, you know, from between the high country and, and where they're going to spend their, the rut in those transition areas that really broken timber kind of nasty rugged terrain it's amazing how often that those big bulls pull off of those cows and they're in those same areas that you'll find those mule deers are transitioning it's the same they're using the same transition areas those those bulls will pull into that rugged rocky nasty broken timber type stuff and they'll just spend their fall there 
you know, waiting for winter and the mule deer are there between their summer range waiting for the rut. So it's just funny. They're transitioning, but they're transitioning to two different things. Totally. And actually, you know, like, uh, one of the big things that people don't recognize is like the food source. And, uh, so most elk elk in general switch their food source from like grasses after the rut, they're eating a lot of shrub, you know, shrub plants, woody, this woody vegetation. And Idaho is like thick with it. And so a lot of times, you know, I've, I've found in, and the places we've hunted in Oregon are very similar. Uh, but it's like you hone in on, they'll get in these like pockets where that brush is growing in the timber. And it's yep. not, I don't even think it's so much about seclusion. I think that happens to be a benefit, but like, they're just mowing on this like brushy stuff, this woody plant. Right. And they're just yep. eating that. And it's like, they're getting ready for winter and they're just feeding. And the nice thing is they're feeding throughout the day. So like a lot of times. That's what I think. Yeah. That's why I think yeah. the seclusion thing is an element to it because I think they can, I think they're depleted from a yeah. long rut and I think they can stand there and they can feed all day without, unless somebody like hikes in there or pots them from a long ways away, they can feed for a long period of time that they couldn't, if they were out in the open. Totally. So yeah. I think that the seclusion, you know, that's a, it's just an added benefit. Well, there's all this browse and they can be secluded and they can feed all day if they want. Yeah. So I want to uh, talk about getting away from people and this can be super difficult. Like I feel like mule deer, you know, you can kind of out, well, not the, not anymore. You used to be able to like out hike people, outwork people, it's difficult with the, you know, with the elk, like you can't just go five, 10 miles in. Um, it's just, it's unrealistic unless you have stock. So, you know, like what's, what's your take? Like, how do you get away from people? Is it just kind of thinking outside of the box or is it, you know, what, what is your technique to get away from people? This one's a hard, <laughs> you, you know, I've talked about this bad. This is hard because a lot of it comes with experience. Like you'll, you'll see guys like, I just can't find elk. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I've been seeing elk all day and it's just because <laughs> yeah. you know where to look, you know, that's part of it. But a lot of it um, that I will give up a morning or an evening hunt to get high in glass. And I mean, get high in glass for miles in different directions. And, you know, I'll give up the morning hunt at those early, you know, the, you know, we're guy like, if I know there's a bull in an area, I'll just be hiking in there. Right. Like, I mean, I'll just go for it. But like, if like Friday morning, for example, we had to, we headed out hunting, my daughter and I, we hadn't been all week, had no idea where elk were. So instead of just bombing into where we'd went the morning or the weekend before, you know, cause we're just hunting weekends cause she's in school. I thought, no, first thing in the morning, we're just going to get high in glass. Even if that means we're not getting anything in the morning, you know what I mean? And so, and a lot of these places like, you know, Idaho and Montana, I mean, everywhere, Wyoming, you can glass elk when that sun first hits, but you got to be there when that sun first hits because those elk are, a lot of them are hitting the timber. You know, even those bulls you're saying they browse all day, they'll be out on them open hillsides. And so I just get super high early where I can glass a long ways and then I'll make the move in the e in the morning or same thing in, in the evening. I'll be high where I can glass those last few, you know, those crucial hours of the day or minutes of the day. So I can be there the next morning. I think that a lot of guys are just like, well, I have to be hunting. I have to be hiking this morning. You right. know what I mean? Like I gotta be hiking in this Canyon. Well, all you're seeing is that Canyon where if I'm sitting on this Ridge where I can see four canyons or I can see 10 miles elk are easy to see with a spot and scope when the sun hits them. Yeah. So, I mean, that's my biggest strategy. I get high and I glass a lot early and late. Yeah, man. That's a, like, that's such good advice. And I, we 
talked about this during the, on the podcast during archery season. And I was like, man, sometimes you can't find them. Like you just got to like scoot back and get perspective. Uh, and I did that so many times. It's funny because you know, this archery season, uh, yeah, there's a few times where I'm like, I just got to get back and like, take a look at things. And like, sure enough, you'd see everyone running around, you know, five 30 or whatever, and they go to their spots and the roads would all be dead. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, after dark, they're running around and it was like, man, like you guys are just like bombing in spots where there's not elk, but very true for uh rifle. Uh, as I was e-scouting this, uh, hunt, I leave on for Friday, I head to Idaho and, same thing. I was like, okay, what's the spot as I'm even on the East scouting, what's the spot or two or three spots where if I do fall into like, man, I can't find elk in these spots I'm looking at, like my primary areas, how do I scoot back? Like, how do I get in the wrong unit? How do I get, you know, across the highway and like, just try to get this huge perspective, you know, from three, five miles away, six miles away, even if I have to, uh, like, you know, what is like, I don't care if I got to drive, you know, an hour out of the way and get up on some, you know, big, vista where I can see, but that's what I want to be able to do for the same reasons. Like, I don't, I don't need to be like, that's a three twenty bullet. It's like, Nope, there's elk in that draw right there. And that'll tell you, you know, so much more than just trying to like poke your head in every closet, so to speak. Right. And, and like you said, even at five miles away, you know, a lot of times you can tell if it's a little pocket of bulls, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or maybe not five miles, but from a couple miles away, like, oh, that's a little pocket of bulls, you know, or that's a, that's 40 cows. Those three all by themselves up there, they're all pretty big bodied. Those are probably bulls, you know, yeah. and th- that's the, the big, that's why I'll always say that the best weapon anybody can have for hunting elk is time, you know? Mm. And so I'll give up, like I said, I will give up that morning hunt I want to hunt in the morning and I, and I hope that I have elk spotted that I'm moving on. So I'm feel like I'm, but like you're so much ahead to give up that hunt and be high to glass. Even if you only like literally, even if you're only going to get a glass for an hour of daylight in the morning before they're gone, you know, where elk are then, then you can make your move, you know, and, and then you can likely get up and set up on that same ridge in the evening. And those elk will probably come back out. You know, a lot of elk get killed that way. Just setting up where they went in the timber and they come back out. Oh, and if nothing else, like my favorite thing to do is spend the majority of the day just picking apart the timber, waiting for that movement, waiting for, you know, to see an ear flicker. Like that's my secret weapon is like I've figured out the timber thickness that I can like just glass into really, really well and, you know, tear it apart. And I think this is even more true for rifle hunting than it is for archery. But like we get so wrapped up in like, we see other people, we like, go, go, go. And you're like, you know, like we get into this like mind trap with, when you see other people you're doing the hunting that you have to like hurry. And I don't know what it is about holding a rifle, but you don't slow down nearly as much. Like, I think when you you have a bow, like you tend to be a little more patient, but I, maybe it's just me. But I found like when I have a rifle, it's, I have to like force myself to slow down and I think it's easy. I think a lot of people just run around looking for elk out in an opening. Like that's, that's what they think. They're just going to walk around and all of a sudden there's going to be an elk in an opening, but like almost never works out that way. And so like, you know, taking the time to be like, all right, let's get in here. I know there was elk in this area. Let's just pick it apart for like half a day. And then we'll move over here and pick that apart for half a day. No one does that. No one, nobody. And like, this is even true in mule deer hunting. Like you go to a place like Colorado where it's, you know, chaos. Right. And there's people everywhere. It's like the more people you see, the more frantic everyone is. So if you're just like, you know what, I'm just going to like pretend like none of these people are here. I'm going to hunt this the way I should hunt it. And which is like, I need to be patient. I need to pick this apart. 
like there's probably elk there or there's probably deer there either way and the people around all this orange around you is causing you to rush the situation yep yeah yeah i i agree 100 so i'm saying i just get up in glass and like <laughs> that, that that you can't well i i'm not racing anybody anymore that i mean that's <laughs> a simple fact and so it's like i'm not gonna race you but i can probably outthink you and so i'm just like I'm going to get high and spot the ones that you're probably not going to see while you're running around. And if you, if you do happen to spot them, good for you. But like it, it, uh, we're pretty successful when we have these tags, we almost always kill nice bulls. And so <laughs> obviously it's working, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, you just can't like I said, run around frantically because it doesn't do any good. You're, or just drive around hoping to see one. Like <laughs> I think guys also do that. Like um, I have a rifle tag. Well, I should just be able to drive around and shoot one. Or I have a late muzzleloader tag. I see that in Idaho. Well, all the elk should be down on the road. I have a late tag. Well, those elk have also been chased for three months solid. Why would they yeah. be standing down here on the road for you to shoot them with your muzzleloader? Yeah. I mean, same, same thing. You know, yeah, it just gives us this false sense that we have a rifle. It should be easy, and it's far from easy. If you could uh, go back and over the years, other people's tags, your tags, kids' tags, all this what is the common denominator in turning up big bulls? Cause I'm Jaden and I had this conversation today and you know, he was like, man, I feel like some of these he's guiding on some good tags. He's like, these good tags, just like, there's not necessarily a lot, any more big bulls. He's like, it's just, you have to burn through a lot more elk to find the big bull. And I was like, dude, that's kind of just hunting in general. Uh, and so yeah. I was like, I'd be curious if there's any like commonalities. If you think back, like, man, you know, were the big bulls in like, deep dark nasty holes or were they you know just random places like was there any common things common i would almost say the opposite of deep dark holes i would almost say that most of the big bulls we kill are kind of out on more um just not the terrain where you generally like my kids have drawn several tags in this area that i bow hunt a lot and the elk will be down the timber and the more timber drainages and stuff and then come rifle season, we'll see them up on the, like the scattered timber high on the open ridges. It's almost just like you're saying, like the ruts one down, they're moving off on their own. And they're like, well, we're going to go up there where there hasn't, we haven't spent the fall. I don't, I mean, I'm just guessing what they're thinking, you know, but we haven't been up there. You know, there's probably good feet up there. So they're up there where they can see really good. They can hear really good, but it's it's kind of this, the more, I, I guess I'm saying broken. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, they're not down the timber. They're not out on the big open ridges as much. They're right on the edge of the open stuff, kind of in the more, it always seems like there's more rocks and more, you know, ledges and more, you know, scattered, you know, jack pines and short timber and stuff like that, where it's just like you said, they can feed throughout the day, but not be totally exposed i mean they, they're i don't find them a lot in the dark timber where i hunt at but i don't hunt like some spots where like i've hunted in montana they definitely timber up more but montana is a general season with five million people running around you know yeah, compared right. to drawing a tag in idaho where there's 150 tag holders or 50 tag holders you know yeah. um i actually find that elk have have calmed down a lot during the october rifle tags that we've had what do you compared mean to september i mean september there it, it seems like you know in september there's you, you know these zones in idaho will have a thousand bow hunters in them you know what i mean where 
come October, you know, so um, archery season ends, you know, like, like this bull my daughter shot the other day was in a heavily, heavily hunted area in September. I mean, there was bow hunters everywhere. These bulls were just kind of chilling out on Friday the 13th of October. That's crazy. You know I mean, I mean, and it's just because they had 13 days. People yeah, just in alone. the two weeks, they they got you know calmed down a little bit. Yeah. People left them alone, you know. But we're we're literally for the for the thirty days of September, there was bow hunters in those canyons every day chasing them. I mean, every single day, like thirteen days. They're like, eh, you know, we haven't really been getting bothered that much, so they nah. kind of just kind of head into their winter pattern of feeding and putting on weight, and you know, not exerting a bunch of energy running around and. uh yeah, it's they just kind of settle in, and if you just got to find those pockets, I, I guess that's a commonality I'm saying is like once you find that terrain, and it's like you're saying where you're hunting that timber in Montana, you find, or, or I assume you're talking about Montana hunting that. No, I was talking about right, Oregon and Idaho, but yeah. or Oregon, but but you found the right kind of timber. You're saying right, that you can glass density. into right, yeah, the de- right density of timber you can. De- so it's the same thing. Like where I've where I hunt, I've found okay, this is where these elk want to be right now by looking at, you know, that's where they want to be. If you're in those areas, you're going to find elk, you know, and they probably settled down by then. And so and that's true for all hunting, you know, you need to find what terrain works to your, your, your strength in my opinion. Totally. Totally. You know, like I like for September, I want to hunt, you know, long sagebrush ridges with timber worked into it. You know, that's, that's like my jam. That's what I want to do. Um, but same for rifle like i've just found where i'm going to find them and i found they have settled down a lot by this time of year and i like my strategy is very similar like I, you know i find what works um in archery i can hunt any like i feel like i can hunt anything at this point uh it just changes your tactics but with rifle yep. it's like i figured out what's worked uh for me and a lot of it is you know if people talk about like elky or whatever a lot of it is like this is what i found to get away from people uh montana is very much like everyone wants to glass everyone wants to hunt parks like you know just the style like tends to push people together so it's like how do you hunt something different how do you like how do you just be different than everyone else like it's not necessarily because going farther isn't that always an option so you just have to like think outside of the boxes so like once you figure that out then you're like okay you know i'm gonna hunt these smaller tighter canyons i'm gonna hunt these like you know places where i can glass into the timber and you know they're not generally obvious to e-scouting to most people you know like everyone's kind of hunting burns right and everyone's hunting these uh parks so like if everyone's doing that like how can i do something different and i'll that may change from hunt to ton. Like I may show up in Idaho and this year and, you know, everyone's kind of hunting where I am, but it's like, okay, that's new data. Like I'll just take it in and be like, okay, I need to find the thing that other people aren't hunting. And generally speaking, it's just, you know, there's a lot of those people just hiking around. This happened to us, even in Oregon, like we would hunt, you know, these pretty big canyons and we'd run into these people all the time. And just like you were saying, it was like, oh, I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything. Well, we figured out that all these elk, like you had to, they were in the bottom third of the canyon, which meant you had to go down a good halfway down this canyon to see anything. 
So yeah, we're, you know, monkeying up and down these canyons all the time and everyone else is just hiking around the top and these, you know, all this other stuff on top and, and being like, well, there's no elk. And it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, meanwhile, we've, you know, we kill four or five bulls in a couple of days. And it was just like, we found, you know, that pocket, uh, that worked and it, it was more about avoiding the pressure, but still having that feed, right? Like they still yeah. want to be able to feed all day. And a lot of that success comes from, finding the elk that are going to feed all day. Like if, if yeah, maybe there's elk in like super thick timber, but they're, they can stay there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, I just, I won't be able to kill them. So yeah, I just, it is what it is. <laughs> so like a lot yeah. of it's just like finding, you know, you may find like take archery, uh, mule deer. You may be found, find a place where you can see tons of bucks, but if you don't have a, a snowball's chance in hell of actually shooting them with your bow, then it's kind of pointless, right? You're just looking at them. So a lot of times yep. it's like, you know, even com- coming down into e-scouting, it's like, I'm trying to find those places where I know we can be like, even when we get into elk, we can be successful, right? Like we can kill this elk. And it's probably like, I guess one of the biggest things is exactly what we're both saying is like, it's probably not far. Right. I mean, right. In, in, in the overall scheme of things, it's probably within a mile or two where you're at, but if all those people are there, I mean, it's probably not going to work. I mean, I guess unless the animals just get moving around, getting ran around people shooting them, but like just go a canyon over, even if there's, you only need one bull. <laughs> I mean, you don't need, I mean, I mean, so like, even if there's less elk, there's probably some old stinky bull hiding away by itself in a canyon. I mean, I would almost bet within a decent distance of those are those herds. And so just so got to move until you, you find them. When you go into an area, uh, how long do you give it before you're like, you know what, this one does a whole new thing. Because I do think that, uh, if, if you're going into an area and you're like, well, I'm only looking for one bull. Like I I've spent, uh, you know, say a couple days in a Canyon and like, I've never seen that one, you know, like how long do you give it? Like, say you drop into an area, how long are you like, uh, we're pulling out, we're not going back in here or like, Hey, we need to comb this over a little bit more. If it's good glass and country. I mean, if, if, like you said, if I can do that early morning glass and I'm, you know, I'm way up high and I'm not seeing nothing. I'll give it a couple of days, you know, but if it's a couple of days, I'm not seeing nothing. I'm bouncing. But um, just because I, I think that elk are pretty dang easy to find, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like they're just pretty easy to see. And so it's like, you can spend a whole bunch of time sitting in one spot. I mean, if I knew a bull was there, I'd stay. Like right. if I, I knew there was a big bull, like that, I, that I knew he was there. I mean, I would stay, but if like, if I'm in a new area and I'm there for a couple of days and I'm not seeing nothing, I'm not saying I'm going to pack up and go 20 miles, but I'm probably going to get a different view the next day. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and, and try, or, you know, or the, another good thing is like, especially if there's snow when it's later in the season, um, that's another thing is glassing for tracks yeah. you know, in, in the snow and, and not, not moving out tracks you know you can see those a lot where they move out but if you can just see like feed you can tell tracks feeding back and forth across a ridge or whatever like they're probably there somewhere and so if that's the case i'm willing to stick it out a little longer but if it's dry and i'm not seeing any tracks and no elk a couple days and i'm gonna go look at something else yeah i tend to agree with you like tracks is man that's everything like it's such such a such a gift right like when you get like this you know, I'm looking at the weather. Uh, I don't know if I should say this or not, but like, so I'm, I'll be watching the weather. Um, my season's open right now, but I, I didn't go, we can get into that whole, like my philosophy on this, but, uh, but uh, next week we're supposed to get snow and I'm like, 
I, I really don't want to hunt in snow. Like it's not my favorite, but at the same, and a lot of it is just like, I feel like I haven't done a non-snow hunt in a lot of years, but, uh, so like, I'm like, okay, this is like, that's gold. And when it, when we get that snow, then it's like, I'm looking, I'm checking tracks, man. Every Canyon's getting just, you know, swept and I'm looking for not herds of tracks. I'm looking for where it looks like single, two, yep. yeah, yeah, single two or three bulls. And then I'm like, man, now I can like, and even if I know that, that's why I want to check every Canyon as quick as I can, because I'm, yeah, just like you said, I'm looking for those meander tracks, like just one yeah. bull or two or three bulls. And, you know, then I'm going to like put a bunch of effort into that Canyon until I find that group. But if I like that day that it snows, I need to check every Canyon. I'm not going, I'm not even wait. Like say I come across like two or three bulls. I might just like, Hey, I'm going to go check these other two canyons real quick. I'll come back. I can glass this in anytime. Yeah. Even if that snow is going to melt, like I know they're here. Like I just got to. Yep. And you spot those tracks, man. Those like, like you said, those meandering tracks, you can pick that ridge upon and almost follow those tracks with your glass to the elk in its bed. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how often that happens. I do the same thing in mule deer, you know, when, when you get those early snows in October, like I've spotted a lot of bucks by just finding tracks. And then once you find those tracks in the snow, cause those bulls, those bulls don't go far. No. I mean, they're there, you know, and so if you there. really, you really start picking apart that timber grid searching that timber with your glass after you find those tracks, you can find those elk usually. And sometimes they move out, but a lot of times you can find elk right there. Yeah. So I, uh, be curious what you think of this, this strategy on, on timing. So most every rifle elk hunt, I've not done a ton. I've been on a lot, but usually I don't have a tag. Uh, most rifle hunts that I've done are short five day seasons, maybe a week season. And I've always said, if you, you know, if you have a five day season, you're better off to spend the week before being there, figuring it out. And then on day one kill, like, even if you got to go home early, like I'd rather be there a week before. Well, my season this year opened on the 14th and closes, uh, I don't forget the date, but November, right? So it's, I think it's almost a month. And uh, I, there's like youth tags before, you know, like there's, you know, there's enough going on. So there wasn't like the surprise element. It wasn't like, yeah, bow hunters in there, but then there's a month off. It was like, no, there's going to be hunters anyway. And I have this theory about these longer hunts where most people go into them. They're all going to hit that opening week be gun, yep. you know, gung ho. And then they're going to like see a million people see five. The taper. Yeah. They, and they're just going to get frustrated. Either that either going to taper and give up, or they're just going to like shoot the first dink and like, Oh, I haven't seen much. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy how fast people can deteriorate on these hunts. Like by day three, they're like, Oh, I got to shoot this five point for me. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, so I was like, I'll just let them, you know, get it all out of their system. And then I'll come in a week later and uh, you know, like maybe they'll push elk around, but I'll be able to find them. That's kind of my theory I, on this one. Yeah. I agree hundred percent. Like I, I love, I love opening day for like the nostalgia of opening day. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love hunting opening day, but it's just like, I'm the same anymore. Like I don't panic anymore. It's like you said, these guys are exactly like you're saying earlier. They're just like, Oh, I got a rifle. I got to panic. I got to run around. I got to shoot yeah. the first bull I see. It's like, man, like I'm telling you, these bulls settle down in yeah. Idaho. I mean, these rifle seasons. Yeah. There's a few bulls flying around, but you're hunting mountainous terrain. It's not like you're, these elk are getting, you know, like these units, you know, 150 tags in a giant unit. Well, compared to the 2000 guys that bow hunted that during bow season, <laughs> right. it's, it's not much like these elk are actually settling down. Right. And so it's like, you do not get to need to get in a big hurry. I mean, 
give yourself a decent window, um, regardless when it is, and you're probably going to be fine. And I'm, I'm the same as you. Like I'd almost avoid if I have the luxury of time generally, um, where I, if I drew a bull tag, I would be there from the first until I killed one. You know what I mean? But if I only had a 10 day window, I don't know if I'd go like said with the hordes right off, you know, and I guess I might, if, if I had that option, but if I didn't, I wouldn't be panicked about it. Right. Right. No, I'm I'm definitely not panicked. So I got a 10 day window. Like, and then the nice thing is like, if I leave a 10 day window, I could probably just go back. You know what I mean? Like if I need to, but man, I, I, I feel like 10 days is, plenty of time with a rifle here i am like going back to like oh it's so easy <laughs> yeah uh, yeah well i know where you're going you got a chance of killing a big bull so let's see just gotta get it done uh yeah any other i don't know any other pro tips you can think of off the top of your head for for rifle season geez i don't know like just <laughs> that glass and thing is just it's it's like my strategy and it's hard to i mean i don't have any other tips besides that's it you know glass like i said cover country and and uh gear i mean gear is one thing that it can get really nasty and so i just make sure i have you know all the gear i need to stay out there and a big enough pack to carry it all you know because these these elk hunts it's just like my daughter there and i you know we were talking about she shoots this bull she'd had some pretty easy easy hunts to this point you know well I hiked her up. We'd seen a bull that morning, kind of like we're talking about, and he went into this basin. And so I thought, okay, we know where he's, I think he's going to be. So we hiked up high onto this ridge, you know, just packed a lot of clothes. Cause you know, even, even now, I mean, it was really cold, you know, sitting there for hours, which that's this glass and thing, you know, you're sitting there for a long time, you know, freezing. So just make sure you have the right gear because by the time that bull came out, you know, we've been sitting there for several hours in one spot. And by the time we shot it and got it packed out, you're quartered and hung up. And, you know, it was midnight when we got to the truck, you know, so you got your days are getting shorter, but it's getting colder faster and you better have the right gear because if you don't have the right gear, it's pretty tough to hunt this time of year. Dude, that, I mean, that's huge. And I, I would add to that is like, bring, like make it normal to start fires. Like any right. great rifle elk hunter, like all the old school guys, man, that they, they build fires like just for fun. Like they're just doing it. Right. And, uh, to me, it's like, that's, that's rifle elk hunting is building fires. <laughs> like you it doesn't bother him. It does no. not bother. It doesn't bother mule deer. Like we've, we glass for mule deer and we build fires all the time. You know, there's snow on the ground. I mean, but they're used to fires, you know, we just, we build them where you can stand and sit there. Like when we, when that bowl went down Friday night, she was freezing when it went down. I'm like, we'll just go up there and build a fire, you know? And luckily the wind stopped and we didn't have to, but I mean, not that it would have bothered me, but right. we just got it done. Right. But like, yeah, build a fire. Yeah. Well, and so many times <laughs> like it's, it, it can, it changes so much in the kind of the point I was getting at is like the mountain weather changes so much, like build a fire and wait it out. I don't know how many times, like you're like, oh, this sucks. It's all fogged in. Like I can't see anything. You're like, you build a fire and and you know, 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour and a half later, it's like, oh, hey, it's nice out. And that makes all the difference in the world. Or even those windows, like, you know, like the the mountains are just breathing in that fog. And it's like you get a break, you're like, oh, you know, there's something. And just that ability to stick out there. Now, last year, opening day of rifle, uh, my buddy Matthew and I were 
up in this area and we were kind of mainly looking for mule deer, but we had glassed up some elk uh, the night before beautiful day before. Right. And of course everyone, anyone in Montana last year knows like opening day was brutal. It like absolutely dumped. So we like hike in, it dumps like six inches overnight. And uh, you know, the next morning it's appears to be a whiteout, but I'm like, you know what? Like basically right next to the tent, we, we set up our tarp as a windbreak and we had this like the little cave dude we were like in this cave we had a fire and we were just like watching the weather watching the weather no wind no breaks no breaks you know like we we get bored and you know walk a little ways try to glass and uh we'd have people like walk by our fire and like come hang out with us we basically sat in that fire at that fire and stoked that fire for i don't know six seven hours and we're like finally we're like yeah don't think we're getting a break today i guess we'll hike out of here but like if we would have gotten a break we would have been right there we would have been ready and dude, there was people tromping around. It was a whiteout. You couldn't see more than 50 yards. And I was like, man, this, like this fire is awesome. <laughs> it's like that having that is, it is clutch. Yep. Yeah. And have a, I mean, like I really, you know, people like, oh, you don't need, you don't need to buy all this expensive clothing, you know? And it's like, man, having an <laughs> awesome layering system for this yeah, time of year yeah. like that i mean that means from like having you know quality merino layers you know your pants you know a uh, rain rain pants and jacket you know a down jacket a coat all these things that don't weigh a lot but you can take them on and off as you need that'll keep you out there a long time too and people you know just got a little jacket on and a pair of jeans you can't stay out in this stuff. You just can't do it. I know our grandpas did, and they were tougher than us, I guess. But it's just <laughs> yeah. But did they? Did they really? Like no, I mean, my, they didn't. My, yeah, I, I can tell you right now. My dad was blue jeans and you know red flannel, elk cutting, killing fool. But like, I, I guarantee, I've stayed out in worse storms than he ever did. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, there's <laughs> stuff we stay out in now. Whiskey. There, it was like three years ago, opening day of deer season, which is October 10th, which is the same time frame. It was 20 below zero where I was at. I was about 9,500 feet. It was 25 below or 20 below zero at daylight opening day of deer season. And I told my wife, I said, there's absolutely no way I could have been sitting on that ridge if I don't have the gear I had today. Couldn't have happened. Couldn't have done it. Yeah. You know what I mean, so it's like people can say it's overpriced and yeah, it's probably overpriced, but there's times like that. It's worth it. Right. Right, right, so. right. No, that's a huge piece of it. Um, yeah. Uh, do you got any good rifle elk hunting stories? Oh, well, I can tell you. This was kind of, I can tell you about my daughter's story, why this was cool this week. Yeah. Um, so when I was 18 years old, I, I'd always said, when I'm 18, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to hunt elk that fall. I'm going to, I'm not going to go to college the first year. I'm going to quit my job hunt elk all fall and that's what i did and when i was 18 um we were on a ridge on this ridge um there's an elk archery story to start off but we're high on this ridge um and it was the 28th of september i'd been hunting all fall i'd had some opportunities but blew them and high on this ridge and this big like sloping ridge down below us um this bull was just screaming his butt off and me and my dad were up there and my dad started cow calling and he cow called that bull clear across, clear up that ridge, cross the drainage right up to him. And I killed him at 15 yards with my bow. Last Friday, we were sitting on the same ridge where I had, where the elk was at and nothing had came out that evening that we were glassing. 
So finally, about an hour before daylight or dark, I said, I'm going to bugle and see if any answers. And his bull bugles back to me way up on that ridge where I was sitting that day with my dad. And uh, I was bugling and he bugled back at me again. I bugled, he bugled back at me again. And I said, I'm going to cow call this bull and see what he does. I cow called to that bull. He came straight off that ridge, exactly the opposite of the way that bull came to my dad, came down there and my daughter shot it. No way. That's she's, really cool. 16, she's 16 years old. So yeah, she hadn't decided if she's going to shoot it because he's a, he's a big five point. He's just a big mature five point. And uh, she had the, in her head, she had to kill a six point, even though almost anybody would have shot this elk. Yeah. And I yeah. said, and this bull, I said, well, you better make up your mind because that bull's going to be standing on that hillside right above us in about five minutes. And sure enough, I mean, that bull came like four ridges over right in front of us <laughs> and she shot him. So Dude, that's that was, super that pretty, cool. That was pretty awesome. So what's but, your, what's your take with calls during rifle season? Like I've had it. So, I mean, depending on the time, I would have never believed that would have worked. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have, like maybe an answer. Like I've definitely, we were back to the fire thing. We were, we were, uh, we were in Oregon one time fogged out build a fire and this like bull just pipes off on his own and i happen to have a call with me it's like bugle back he bugled back and it was like in the fog i couldn't see anything but um you know they're definitely piping off uh that yeah that was i I don't think i don't think the calling usually works that great but i do think it's a great um a lot of times those bulls even in mid-october or even you know i even in november um they'll bugle um and i think it's a good thing to once in a while the bugle like the other night we were sitting there glassing, we were glassing, there's a big burn above us. You know how burns are, they're hard to glass sometimes. We could not see an elk up there, but I bugled and he bugled back, so we knew he was there. So, you know, even just for locating sometimes, yeah. okay, he bugled, he's right there, you know. But Matt Elliott was with me, my buddy Matt was with me in 2018, and we got an absolute bugle fest on the 10th of November. What? No <laughs> I mean, I, I know you so. We got in on this herd. We were muzzleloader hunting. We'd come up over this ridge, and the, the herd spooked. And like we were up on this high top, and they spooked around the ridge. And so we just got on their tracks and followed them. And we looked over, and we glassed up. And they were bedded. They they kind of stopped. I mean, they'd went like a mile, but they'd stopped right in this opening right below this big rock knob. And uh, we just thought there was a raghorn, like a little raghorn. Well, the herd we seen, there's a little raghorn and, like, 20 cows i had no i didn't want to shoot matt was just like i'm shooting any elk he had like three days to hunt i think he was just he was right in the middle of his mba program he was super busy he's like i'm shooting any elk i don't care what it is i'm just gonna shoot one so i said i'm gonna stay here and glass him you loop up on top of that knob and you should be able to shoot down there on them you know so and i'm just gonna watch what they do well he started heading around there and over right where those elk were at this bull started bugling and he answered for an hour and a half. Every call I made, that bull screamed his head off. What? I mean, just screaming and screaming and screaming. And finally, Matt was over there on top of that rock. I could see him. And finally, I don't know what happened. If if the I think the thermals just kind of were like swirling in that bowl, you know. And the, they must have got around him. And they actually elk come running. There was nobody else in there but us. The whole herd come running up and they ran right by him. It was like a 296 point with this herd in the 10th of November screaming his butt off. And then Matt, the the bull actually went by and he didn't get a shot. Matt shot a cow. And I'm like, dude, you were serious. You, you were shooting any elk. But but yeah, that bull was screaming in November. 
I mean, it was. And then you I think it was just like a, a cow that got hot or what? I think I think it must be like, is it those maybe those yearlings that come mm-hmm. into estrus late, you know, something? Yeah. And but my brother and I were on a, a November first opener rifle elk tag. Um, oh, geez, fifteen years ago, and we'd hiked into a big burn where we knew there'd probably be elk and we could glass, you know, and it was super foggy. Like you're saying, you know, you're just kind of like banks of fog coming through. And, uh, all of a sudden there, there was just bugling going on like crazy. And, but it was all, it was all, um, foggy and stuff. And all of a sudden that fog bank broke and there was a herd of like 30 cows with like two bulls circling that herd bugling their butts off. <laughs> so, I mean, I just think sometimes they like, you know, some late cycle. There was no big bulls in that one, but that herd that Matt was in on, that was a pretty good bull. For, I mean, honestly, for a lot of spots, you know, 280, 290 bulls are a lot of herd bulls in a lot of spots in yeah. Idaho. And, and so it kind of goes back to yeah, like, it goes back to like, you know, the very first part of our conversation where it was like, you know, if you find a bugling bull, there's probably a bigger bull somewhere else because I doubt like the biggest, the big bulls are in there. Uh, generally speaking, like you said, it's going to be a smaller. I mean, we can right. call them mature bulls, but maybe, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know because people ask me that, um, that question has come up and I, I don't know. I put very little effort into calling elk in, in rifle season. I'll probably have a read with me just on the off chance. Uh, I might even like if a bull bugle, I might bugle back just for shits and giggles, but like, it's not like I'm trying to, you know, call a bull. No, in. I don't actually try to call elk, but I do. I usually do carry my bugle with me, um, especially in the, into the middle of October, just for, because a lot of times, even when those bulls are done, they'll still bugle back. If you, if you bomb a bugle out at them, you know, yeah. and it's like, well, you're, well, okay. There's a bull right up there, you know, and I don't, I don't ever really go at them with the idea of trying to call them in. Um, right. this, this last week that happened that way, but that bull came like 700 yards to us when she shot it. That's crazy. So, yeah, she I, yeah, shot him. Never predicted that. She shot him at about 380 yards, and he was at about he was a little over a thousand standing on that rock knob when I first spotted him. And he came that distance in about oh less than 10 minutes. That's crazy, man. Yeah, he came all the way off that ridge, bugling the whole way. That's so cool. It was like the same area. You could, yeah, you and your dad did. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was uh, cool. Well, cool. Do you got any more elk tags for the rest of the year? Or are you guys done? Uh, no, just got, we actually got my kids and my brother got antelope tags in Montana. We're leaving this weekend and then, nice. which I know it's going to be opening weekend of deer and elk. So it's going to be a mess. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, opening, opening weekend to antelope was not that much better. It was pretty much oh, chaos. Was the zoo, so, <laughs> but now I'm going to go deer hunting in Montana and deer hunting in Missouri. But other than that, I'm, I'm down elk hunting for the year. We filled the two tags we had. So. Heck yeah. Well, congrats, man. Uh, well, yeah, best of luck in the, on the antelope and the deer and all that good stuff. Uh, hopefully I can get it done on a good bull. Uh, you know, oh, no pressure. <laughs> you will. No, yeah, no pressure. So. <laughs> all right, man. Have a good one. Yeah. Later.